When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Yes, sir. We are back for week two. We are in the in-season action. No more getting ready for kickoff. No more preseason talk. We are full swing in season, but my brain is not. I have to I have to admit, full transparency, I did not get my rankings done completely before today's show. It will be up on the bellyoffantasysports.com website by tomorrow morning. I will get them done tonight, but I still have my players that we're going to talk about for the upcoming week. I still have a rough idea of where everybody's going to go, so don't worry about it. And thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on our YouTube channel and, of course, on bellyup.tv. Make sure you download the Fox D Network app on your favorite TV device so that way you can catch us on demand and stay up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app. And please give us a five-star review. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I'm joined here once again with Brian Scott. So happy to have him on the show. We'll talk about our injuries. And, of course, we have our intern, Danielle. She's back. She's all settled at school, and she'll be producing the show for us today. What's going on, guys? Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good to have you. Wait, how you doing, Danielle? How does it feel to be back at school real quick? 
Oh, it feels good. It's hectic and crazy, but so good at the same time. <laughs> That's excellent. Danielle will be back on for our mailbag segment later on, so we'll see her face in eh, just really a little while from now. Uh, Brian, our man Brian, was right on the money with pretty much everybody from last week, so let's hope you can kind of do it again with our injuries this week. And just to dive do my best. In- Oh, thank, thank you, Danielle. <laughs> I actually forgot about the drop completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's why she's still in school, and, and we are probably should go back. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't lying about that, man. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you are going to do your best, and uh, give me your best assessment on J.K. Dobbins. I wasn't going to talk about him, but then he practiced in full today. Yeah, so that, that was kind of surprising. I, I thought maybe he'd be limited again, but uh sounds like they kind of threw him to the wolves to see what they got. And uh, as far as I know, he handled it pretty well. Um, I thought it would be at least a few weeks before we start seeing him in game action, but this is a huge step forward for him. So I'm not so sure he's going to be ready this week. He was on a, one of the Baltimore uh, shows yesterday uh, evening about his injury. And he basically confirmed what I thought. He had a much more significant injury than just an isolated ACL injury. So I'm not surprised by this um, delay in him getting out there full go. So um, I think he might need a few more weeks just watching him in those videos and everything that we talked about last week. Um, I'd be surprised if he does not suit up again this week. I would not bank on him suiting up again this week for the game. But it's really encouraging to see these out there doing full practice. I still think it might be a few more weeks though before we actually see him in a game. I'm leaning more toward like a week three return or a week four return. Um, to play it safe, I would say week four, but encouraging news seeing him practice in full. Absolutely. We'll keep our eyes on this throughout the week. It can't be any worse when we got a Kenyan Drake. I will say that much. Uh, Najee Harris has a foot slash ankle issue slash whatever the heck anybody wants to seem to call it with a lower extremity. What do you got on Najee Harris? What seems like good news? Yeah, you know, I'm not so optimistic, fortunately. Uh, I mean, he missed a significant amount of time in the preseason with what they called the Liz Frank sprain. Now, he stated that it wasn't the same injury, so maybe it was his ankle, but, but I believe it was his foot or same side, uh, which again is a little um, worrisome. And if you watch the play where he got injured on, uh, I'll tell you what, that really worries me from, from that foot perspective because uh, it was a twist uh, mechanism. He got tackled with all his weight on that foot inside. So, um, you know, this could be one of those things, I, I've been saying this all along, where he might just be toughing it out and trying to, to play through it with Frank's brain that never truly healed. Sometimes those aren't very obvious uh, unless the symptoms just kind of linger and they don't always go away. So sometimes you don't know this until several weeks in or, you know, significant past. And then you're kind of faced with the situation. Well, what do we do to treat it? Um, Cam Newton went through this a few years ago, ended up losing a lot of the season because he ended up having to have surgery. I'm hoping it doesn't end this way for Najee Harris. Uh, but uh, I am very concerned and definitely keeping a skeptical eye on his uh, practice sessions, his recovery, uh, and what happens with him going forward. I talked about in the waiver wire report yesterday, and I said, look, if you got Najee Harris, at the very least, make sure you are protecting yourself with Jalen Warren who was, I think, only like 3% owned off the waiver wire. He seems to be the handcuff, and we will talk a little bit more about Harris later on in the show. This won't be brief. Mac Jones, he practiced today, had a back issue. Any concerns on your part? No. Um, in fact, uh, one of the things that made me not too concerned about it was the fact that he actually played through the injury, didn't actually get x-rayed and evaluated for it until after the game was over, and um, came on the to reporters 
the, the following day saying that he felt much better. Um, didn't he, I don't even think they sent him for an MRI. I think they did like x-rays and stuff and it was normal. Uh, so it didn't sound very concerning uh, right from the get-go. Most significant back or spinal injuries are quite the usually placed through him. So just the fact that he finished a game uh, told me that it wasn't probably very serious to begin with. How about Keenan Allen? We know he's going to miss this game. He's already rolled out. But do you think yeah. this is a one-week injury or is this a multiple-week injury? Uh, so that's the problem. You know, this is a hamstring injury. And like I've said many times, uh, you got to be really careful with these hamstring injuries because they can linger for a long time if not treated appropriately and given enough time to recover and rest initially. Um, and case in point would be some of the guys we talked about last week. Um, Godwin, for example, who was dealing with the knee issue, he's got a hamstring injury. I think part of that was because he came back too soon. We can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, there was a couple other guys that came back from hamstring stuff. You know, he was very ineffective. He only had like two receptions for 23 yards, I think. He was a game-time decision, essentially, and he was fighting through a hamstring injury. I was kind of surprised he even went out there because he had missed practice today, which tells me that he may not have been fully recovered from that. So this is the issue that you run into with hamstrings. With only a couple days to rest or playing Thursday, no way Keenan Allen would be smart to get out there and try to play through this. So um, he'll have a longer week to recover next week. Um, I think that will buy him uh, some pretty good time. So we'll have to see what he does next week in practice. Keep your eyes peeled. Wandale Robinson here just knee early in the game. He gets knocked out pretty much right away. Do you expect any kind of return on him or what's your information on him? Well, from what I've read, uh, and it wasn't much, um, uh, that he's scheduled to have an MRI either today or tomorrow. Uh, he doesn't seem to think it's too serious. He, said he just got hit awkwardly, felt like the knee was a little weird, so he went and told his coach. Coach's decision was to hold him out. Um, he might not have actually went out if he didn't wasn't told by coach. So sounds to me like he about x-rays were negative. Um, MRI, once it comes back, if it doesn't show any major structural damage, I'm sure he'll be probably doing some limited practice the rest of the week. He could be a game-time decision. Depends on how he's feeling. Any concern with Kamara, the rib injury? It was kind of weird. We didn't really even hear about it until after the game, but I know I was completely disappointed by the usage that he had. I mean, depending on when this occurred in the game, you know, rib injuries are similar to injuries. Uh, you know, they can also be very debilitating. As part of your core, uh, you know, you, you have to breathe when you're working like these guys are in the middle of the game. You breathe pretty heavy. Those rib cages get expanded and contracted. So if it was significant it would be debilitating for him so if he played through it and it didn't seem to bother him too much until afterwards not too concerned unfortunately there's really not much you can do for rib injuries whether they're sprained or fractured it's really just a matter of rest so uh, unless we see him not do, doing anything in a practice um then i'm banking that he's probably going to be a game time decision or he'll probably end up playing you would have to be really banged up to and and being out i mean he would be non-contact he wouldn't be doing anything uh, if it was significant enough yeah, he was back at practice today, so I don't think it's really going to yeah. be too bad. This one raised my eyebrow a little bit just because it kind of caught me off guard this morning. DeAndre Swift, uh, listed with an ankle injury, doesn't practice today. They signed Justin Jackson off the practice squad like first thing this morning. What do you make of this DeAndre Swift ankle issue? Okay, so he was quoted that he said he got injured in the second quarter, uh, um, but threw it and had a great game as far as I know statistically, um, and then was held out of practice it could be just for precautionary reasons. Maybe he had some swelling or some discomfort in the ankle. Maybe they're just playing it safe. But you know, the one thing that you never really know is if you're getting worried or not. And then you see them make a, a roster move like that. And you're in the back of your mind, you're kind of questioning, like maybe this is more serious than they let on. And that can certainly be the case. I mean, we've seen that with plenty of other guys. 
you know, where they come out and tell you the injury is a minor or it's not that bad. And then all of a sudden the guy's not list, you know, listed on the out uh, on the injured list going into the weekend. So you never quite know what you're going to get. Now I would go back and look at Philly got injured in the second quarter and he couldn't really see anything that hampered his game going forward the rest of the game. Then maybe it is nothing. Maybe it's just a mild sprain, which is not very common. Typically these guys will get more to the moderate uh, severity and that can cause some swelling and stiffness over the next couple of days. So it could be that he's experiencing that and they're just kind of resting him, getting him ready for the weekend. Uh, we're just going to mention this in passing. Michael Pittman listed with a quad issue, but he did practice in a limited capacity today. I really yeah. don't think there's any danger of him being able to play. Uh, so no, let's I don't just think talk so about either. Tampa Bay. Let's just, let's just skip to Tampa Bay because they had, I mean, they their practice yeah. injury report was ridiculous. You had We, we could just put them practice. all together. Yeah. He's <laughs> in practice. Julio Jones had a knee. He was limited in practice, I think. I, and then uh, yeah. Fournette was listed with a hamstring. He was also limited. And, yeah. of course, we have Godwin, who I think is actually the guy who's going to wind up missing time. Yeah, I, I think of all those guys, I think he's the one that's really going to miss any time. In fact, uh, he's probably going to be out for several weeks. And that's kind of what they said. I think it's going to be anywhere between three to four, maybe even longer. I, I told you last week, I, didn't, I, was, I was shocked that he was even out there. Um, I, I didn't think he I was ready quite to a play bit the, the first quarter, too. He, he did, yeah. Uh, uh, he had like three catches for like 50-something yards, I think. You, you might know better than I do the stats. Yeah. But, you know, the problem is he on, on what looked like the play he got injured, it was very awkward positioning. He had to kind of go down and catch a ball that was thrown low by his feet, and he just kind of turned around and probably tweaked the hamstring of that same knee. Um, you know, and this is the, the danger in putting these guys out too soon. You know, you can't replicate these game movements and actions unless you're out there practicing in full. And from what we talked about and what I've read, I don't think he ever did. So that was the first red flag. And then the fact well, that he was still in the race. on Friday. Yeah, I mean, but like one day. But how many like, days? Like, yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm with you. Just, just to put that out there. No, and that's fine. I understand. Uh, but it's it's not nearly enough time. And and he just only ditched a brace like a few days before that. So to right. me, that was a red flag, too, because that tells me that something was going on, whether he felt like he needed it or he didn't feel stable enough with it. So I was kind of surprised that they threw him out there. Unfortunately, probably not the worst case scenario that could have happened, but definitely a setback. Yeah, and it's it's uh, definitely a little bit alarming to hear that he might be out for three to four weeks. Hopefully, you play in a smart league where there's an IR spot and you can go ahead and stash Chris Godwin. Hopefully, if not, you still have to hold him. He's too good of a player when he does return, especially with the way this receiving group is shaking out. I, look, Julio Jones is a ticking time bomb. Russell Gage is already banged up. Hold on to Chris Godwin for the second half of the season if nothing else, which is kind of what you drafted him for to begin with anyway. Um, I, just before you go, one quick question for yeah. you when it comes to Godwin with the hamstring injury, does this set back his knee at all in your mind when he does come back? Well, so yeah, if it's the same knee that he had the ACL reconstruction on, which I think it is, I think it is, um, then yes, absolutely. Because the hamstring muscle is one of the important muscles to help prevent against ACL injuries. So if your hamstring is injured and you don't have full strength, then that, that, can, that can set you up for a, a re-injury of that ACL. So you don't want to put him out there prematurely with this. If it's the opposite side, okay, then you're kind of dealing with more hamstring injury. But still, coming off an ACL, he's only like eight months out. I, I wouldn't chance it, man. You've got to give this guy uh, the best chance to, to make it through the season and not cause any major structural injury on either side. So, But, you know, one other thing I want to mention, you know, Julio Jones, I, I feel like he's just going through 
the NFL version of load management, right? I mean, this guy is like 33 <laughs> years old. He's a wide receiver. He's in his 12th year. He lost a, a few games uh, the last couple of years, and one of those problems was a nagging hamstring injury. This could be the same thing. Pop it up. This could just them simply being listed his experience. He doesn't need to be out there doing contact stuff during the week. Let's just give him some time off. Make sure he's in peak condition going into the weekend games. And, I mean, he looked great. He looked great the other night. He almost played Julio of old. So, you know, that could just be uh, uh, the Bucks being smart about it and trying to keep him healthy the rest of the way. Let's hope so, because I would love the Julio to have a chance to get back at redemption. But Chris Godwin, look, let's hope he's out for a while, because that way he might have a chance to come back at full strength. Him coming off of that knee issue and that setting him back is the only thing I would be concerned about moving forward. So hopefully they don't try to rush him back. But that's going to do it for our injury inquiries segment with Brian. He will be back with us again tomorrow when we have our clairvoyant Thursday second half week two preview. Can't wait for that. That's what we're going to talk about, by the way, like the Dak Prescott injury and some of those other things because we're going to talk about the Dallas game in tomorrow's show. Brian, where can everybody check you out at and what's coming up for you? Yeah, um, you know, this is basically what I'm doing on football season here on Wednesdays and Thursdays. I'm on another uh, Belly Up show on Sunday mornings. Um, And then the rest of the week, I'm just kind of uh, doing my homework and putting all my data and information together um, and and doing some articles with uh, Andrew uh, Leduc uh, from Belly Up. Uh, We got some weekly injury reports. So if you miss anything on video, You'll be able to find it on the fantasy, Belly Up Fantasy page. Uh, we'll do weekly. Uh, it's called Inside the Medical Tent is the name of the article. So look for that. You'll get a quick rundown of some of the players. We Maybe some additional ones. Um, and then, you know, just trying to keep my podcast going. I'm getting so busy with the football stuff. It's hard to, <laughs> hard to keep going with the podcast. But uh, there's plenty of old episodes. You guys can tune in wherever you listen to your podcast and listen to those old episodes where I touch on some former athletes who've gotten hurt, some old injuries that we talked about, you know, here tonight. And you can get some more information that way. Excellent. Brian, we'll talk to you again tomorrow, man. Take care. Glad to have you on as always. My pleasure. All right. That was Brian Scott, the Injured List Podcast. Make sure you check him out on your favorite podcast app. He's pretty much available everywhere, too, and give him a listen. Okay. We got to move. So let's go right into our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert tomorrow night. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the obvious start. Now, I should preface this by saying this first half of this segment, and I forgot to do this before. We got to, we're talking about the Chargers and Kansas City Thursday night game, Jets and Browns, Commanders, and it's hard for me to get that Commander thing around, Commanders, the Lions, and then we're going to talk about Tampa Bay and New Orleans in the first half of today's show. And we got four more matchups we're going to talk about in the second half. So these are the players we're talking about from these four matchups. And yeah, Mahomes, Herbert, should be in your starting lineups, both top five quarterbacks. Really not much more needs to be said there. My obvious starters at the running back position. How about Nick Chubb going crazy? The Browns looking like they picked up right where they left off from last year. Kevin Stefanski doing Kevin Stefanski things, and that is the entire Browns offense is going to run through Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt complimenting Nick Chubb. You start them both. Hunt is more my lock them in segment. We'll get to that a little bit later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Austin Eckler's an, an obvious starter, okay? Shootout game against Kansas City. I don't know what the usage was. I don't know if they were trying to get reps in for Sony Michelle. I don't know why they're bothering still with Joshua Kelly, that waste of space that he is. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. While I was a little bit down on Austin Eckler as far as him like being like my number, it wasn't my number two running back overall, which is where his ADP was going. He was more like my RB8. That was in reflection of, I think he might lose some red zone carries and have some touchdown regression. Not in reflection of he wasn't, he was going to lose some passing down uh, work. That didn't make any sense to me whatsoever with what the Chargers were doing. I think that gets corrected in this game against Kansas City. I wouldn't worry about it for the season. Austin Eckler, an obvious start. You're not making... Uh, you're not really asking any questions about that. Alva Kamara, he's still an obvious starter. One, you drafted him probably in your either high end second round, late first round. He's still an RB1. No, I didn't love the usage. Hopefully, this rib issue is an explanation towards why his usage was so wonky, uh, especially in the second half. They're coming back from behind. Dumping the ball down to Kamara is usually a pretty good pretty big staple of the Saints offense. I know it's Pete Cartmichael calling the plays now, but I do have this question and I'm not trying to raise any alarm bells or anything of that nature, but if Jarvis Landry is going to drink from the fountain of youth, like he seemingly did for week one, and we have the addition of Chris Olave and you have a healthy Michael Thomas, I did start to question myself the other day. Did I not account for the extra receivers enough as in taking away maybe two to three targets per game off the table for Alvin Kamara. So instead of being a guy who is averaging, you know, seven plus targets in a matchup, he might become more of a DeAndre Swift guy who's averaging somewhere between four and five targets. Still going to be a passing prolific type of running back, but might not be the juggernaut that we are expecting. And that's all coming down to is Jarvis Landry going to continue the performances that he had. We'll have to wait and see. Chris Olave, when does he get more involved in the mix? How long does Michael Thomas stay healthy? all part of the equation there. I'm not worried about Alba Kamara, but I do think maybe we have to lower expectations if this trend continues. So just kind of a food for thought there, but you're putting them in your lineups. I know it's a tough match against Tampa Bay typically, but I will say this, Ezekiel Elliott, he ran for five yards of carry last week. If Elliott can do it behind that Dallas offensive line, I think Kamara, if he gets the ball enough, could be okay this week too. And then my last obvious starter, Leonard Fournette. We just had Brian on. He's not worried about the hamstring injury. We saw what he did last week in a game that there was really no offense being generated. Leonard Fournette was the man, had the volume. He still is a low-end RB1 as long as that becomes the case. And, of course, my obvious starter for tight end is Travis Kelsey. I don't think I even need to say more about Travis Kelsey, just how awesome he is. And he's the number – you want to ask who the number one receiver is for the Kansas City Chiefs offense? Travis Kelsey is the number one receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. We found him, folks. Just play him and forget about it. Let's hit the lock him in. 
Lock them in. It's a lock. I don't have any lock them in quarterbacks for this group of matchups that we're talking about here. I do have some for running backs. Now, Swift's at the top of the list. Obviously, if Swift is healthy and Brian Scott seemed to be not overly concerned about the issue, I do think it's a little bit weird they signed Justin Jackson as quickly as they did, but it could be just to cover their butts. Who knows? If he's good to go, he's obviously in your starting lineup. But just make sure you're tuning into us throughout the week on social media at Billy Up MDFF Show. We'll keep you up to date with the player news notifications. If something changes or you need to make a move, go ahead and do it. The one thing I do want to talk about when it comes to DeAndre Swift, last week, while he had the huge game and he was absolutely terrific, Jamal Williams was the man when they got inside the goal line. Jamal Williams did have about a 55-45 split with DeAndre Swift. It was one of the reasons I was a little bit lower on Swift heading into the draft process and why I didn't have him inside of my top 10. Jamal Williams is going to be a thing to stay. And if he's going to take over all the goal line work, well, that means DeAndre Swift is going to have to score from distance in order to score. Makes me a little bit concerned. Swift is still the guy. Obviously, he's tremendous. He's game script proof because he'll just get involved in the passing game when they fall behind like he did last week. But I'm a little bit concerned that if he doesn't have these big blow-up games where he breaks off these big runs, will he have some duds here and there because Jamal Williams is just being a pain in his side. Something to watch that did kind of play out on Sunday. Kareem Hunt's obviously a lock him in. And then Antonio Gibson. Want to highlight him real quick. Had a great game. And I talked about heading into week one. I had him as an RB13. I was like, if he has a great game, look to sell him high. If you haven't sold him high yet, you're going to have another great opportunity to do so against Detroit. Don't get carried away by the fact that he had seven receptions or seven targets, whatever it was, last week. J.D. McKissick still outplayed him in two-minute drills, still outplayed him in third and longs. It just happened to go into game flow that Carson Wentz, doing something he doesn't do a lot of throughout his career, dumping the ball off to the running back, on early downs, on neutral situations. I don't know if that continues for sure, but I do know I like the match against Detroit. And as long as Antonio Gibson is the starting running back for that team, he has a chance to have another good game. If he has another good game, you even have a better shot of selling him high. I was asked an interesting question that I kind of wanted to address earlier. I think, I think it was yesterday from somebody that I trust. And they asked me the question of if Antonio Gibson were to continue playing like he did in week one and be able to bring that over consistently until Brian Robinson returns. Is there a chance he could play himself back into that starting role? And therefore, would you want to sell him on based on that idea? And it's a fair question. If he plays this great, it's hard to imagine Brian Robinson really taking away the workload and certainly not supplanting him. But my thing is this, before they even got to practice, pretty much right out of the gate after they drafted Brian Robinson, Ron Rivera was very vocal on the idea that this is going to be a three-man committee. And even if Brian Robinson's not in a position when he returns to supplant Antonio Gibson, he may just revert back to the role that I think was in, in mind for him all along, playing the goal line because we're tired of Antonio Gibson fumbling in key situations. That is still a possibility. I'd rather trade Antonio Gibson based on the idea that maybe people are starting to buy that he can hold on to his job off of what hopefully will be another good performance here because he will be, if he's not inside my top 12, he'll be right at my top 13. I can tell you that much. And trade him for somebody that I don't have those questions for. I don't have the possibility of a three-man committee for. That's what I would rather do. So even if that part is true, even if that's a possibility, I would just use that 
to trade him for somebody that I really want later on. I'm not taking chances. For now, you ride the wave that it is Antonio Gibson, but I am looking to move on before it is too late. Let's talk about our lock him in wide receivers. So Mike Evans, obviously with all the injuries going on. Now, I do know Mike Evans, he reportedly had a, a wrap around his calf today. He practiced, though. There's, there doesn't really seem to be much concern about a Mike Evans. But if Godwin's going to miss, like Brian Scott said, multiple weeks. If Julio Jones, we all know, who knows how long he can stay healthy. Even, I mean, I, I remember a couple of hits he took on the Sunday night game. We're like, oh, that was it. And it's like, oh, no, he actually bounced back. We're not even used to seeing Julio Jones bounce back anymore. Maybe he still does. But he's a ticking time bomb. Russell Gage can't seem to get over this hamstring injury. He wasn't able to practice today. He didn't really do much in the Sunday night game either. Tom Brady is going to have to lean on Mike Evans. There's no Gronk. Mike Evans is his go-to guy, especially when it comes to the red zone. So there's a safe floor. He's a wide receiver one. You lock him into your lineups. And I'm not worried about those dips that we would have because, well, there's nobody really to take him back out right now. Mike Thomas on the other side is also a lock him in. Looked pretty good. He got the two touchdowns. He didn't light it up outside of that. I do want to I do want to highlight that real quick because like five catches, 57 yards. It wasn't like he was a world beater, but he gets the two touchdowns. Physically, he looks good. He, des- he deserves to continue being in your lineups. He was a lock him in for me last week and was one of my heroes as a result. Mike Williams. I know it was bad last week. There's no Keenan Allen. And again, there should be a shootout. I believe it's the highest over under of the entire week. Play Mike Williams. He's always going to be a boom or bust guy. If you listen to me during the draft process, you shouldn't be that hurt by it because you draft him as a wide receiver three if he's on your team and you listened and you're part of MD Nation because I told you guys from the get-go, he's not this top 20 wide receiver. He's a wide receiver three, a boom or bust option like he has always been. But in this situation, he should be the number one in a in a super scoring match. At least I hope it is on Thursday Night Football anyway. Terry McLaurin. So he only had he had the big play. He only had the two targets last week, and I get all that. I don't buy this whole Curtis Samuel is now going to be the lead targeted guy, first and foremost. Jahan Dotson had a nice game. He had the two touchdowns, but three catches for 40 yards outside of that. It's not like Jahan Dotson, I think, is going to run away and all of a sudden surpass, usurp Terry McLaurin as the number one receiver on this team. I'm not worried about Terry McLaurin yet. I will keep my eye on the situation that is the commander's. But you're playing Terry McLaurin, especially as the Detroit Lions. You're not thinking too much of it. And then speaking of the Detroit Lions, you're playing Amon Ross St. Brown, who just picked up right where he left off last week. It didn't matter that Hawkinson was back or Swift was healthy or DJ Chark got added to the team. He was still the lead target guy. Eight catches, 62 yards. He tacks on a touchdown. There's hard to find guys who have a safer floor than Amon Ross St. Brown. So lock him in to your lineups as well. And then sticking with the Lions at the tight end position, I only have one lock him in, and that's TJ Hawkinson. I know it wasn't great last week, but guess what? Unless you had Travis Kelsey or took a shot on a Gerald Everett, it wasn't really great for any tight end last week. So don't worry about it too much. You draft him to be a top eight guy. Keep playing him as a top eight guy. Don't question it. Don't think to yourself like, oh, I got this question the other day and it just blew my mind. What should I do to go pick up OJ Howard off the waiver wire? I was like, are you kidding me? He barely played. He fell into the end zone twice Please don't make moves like that. And I know when it comes to tight end, it drives people nutty when you don't have, you know, a top three. Like, if you don't have a Kelsey, an Andrews, a Waller, or a Pitts right now, you're driving yourself crazy trying to think of a a magical eight-ball way to put in the correct tight end. Don't go stretching that far. There's no reason to do it. Look at my rankings. Go to bellyfantasysports.com. Again, the rankings will be up for you tomorrow. 
Look at that. Go off of that. Don't play guys who played like 15% of the team snaps and happen to fall in the end zone twice. All right. That's fool's gold. We don't chase fool's gold on the MD's fantasy football show. Let's hit our lookout for. Lookout for. Look out for Tom Brady. He is not going to be in my top 12 this week. And this is not a reflection of I'm worried about Brady for the rest of the season. This is not just because he had a bad game against Dallas on Sunday. This is because he's got a lot of guys around him who are hurt, not just weapons-wise, but offensive line-wise. And the Saints have been his kryptonite even when he's letting it up against everybody else since he became a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. I think this could wind up being a very low-scoring game. And at the very least... I think there's other options that are more intriguing to me to stream. And we'll talk about some of them in today's show, definitely between today and tomorrow. But Tom Brady for this week, not a must start for me. I would contemplate moving in other directions just because it's in New Orleans. It's his kryptonite and we're running out of weapons for him to go to. Plus, I don't I don't trust that offensive line at all after the Sunday night game, at least not for now. Other guys I want to look out for, though, James Winston, Carson Wentz. So I, you know. Guys are looking to stream that I'm a little more intrigued by. Wentz would be one of those guys. Wentz is likely to be inside my top 12. And he had a nice performance against Jacksonville. And then he gets another follow-up performance here against Detroit. Washington has some good weapons. I don't know how long Curtis Samuel is going to stay healthy, but he's a nice slot option. Jahan Dotson made some nice plays to get in the end zone. We know what Terry McLaurin is. And don't forget Logan Thomas, who I'm going to talk about in quite a bit of detail in a couple more segments from now. Logan Thomas was pretty good out there. He's got Gibson. He's got McKissick in the backfield. Outside of the commander's offensive line and the fact that Scott Turner is the offensive play caller, he's pretty well set up to be able to carry that on. And because Carson Wentz does Carson Wentz things like throw two terrible picks and let teams that are way behind back at the games, uh, guess what? The game script is probably going to be that he's going to have to throw it pretty aggressively throughout the game because he'll make sure of that. And even last week, even if you had interceptions count as minus two points, you still had a top 10 quarterback. I think he'll be a QB two for the most of the season. But for this week, I'm probably going to have him higher than Tom Brady, believe it or not. Let's talk about our lookout for running backs. So let's hit the Jets real quick. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Michael Carter, Brees Hall are both flex considerations for me. Michael Carter, obviously a little bit ahead of Brees Hall when it comes to that, because he's a little bit ahead of Brees Hall right now in the carry department. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't think it's going to last throughout the whole season. What's cool, especially if you're in full point PPR leagues, is that as long as Joe Flacco is the starting quarterback, and I talked about this last week, there will be plenty of dump downs for the running backs. I think between the two of them, they had 13 or 14 targets. Like between two running backs, two running backs, 13 or 14 targets. That's how much, one, Flacco had to throw the ball because the Jets, news alert, still terrible. And then two, that's how much he dumps it down now. Flacco doesn't want to get hit. That offensive line is terrible. The best way to do is get the ball out of your hands quick to your running backs who can both catch the ball. As a result, they are both flex considerations, but I wouldn't expect too much of a ceiling out of them. Next guy I want to talk about a little bit is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So, look, I'm going to have Clyde Edwards-Alaire ranked in a situation which you're probably going to start him. But let's not get carried away with the two touchdowns he had last week. It looked like more of a farce than something we can actually come to expect on a regular basis. He split snaps down the middle with Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon had three more routes run. They both had the same amount of targets. The difference was, kind of like with Jahad Dotson or some of these other guys, 
he happened to have two receiving touchdowns and happened to be in on those situations. But if McKinnon is going to continue to split with him like this is the playoffs from last year, I'm worried about Clyde Zolaire because he is depending on that receiving to give him his fantasy floor. I'm not so worried about the Isaiah Pacheco of it all. Yes, if you want to make the argument that Pacheco, if they Kansas City gets up big and they're trying to close out games, will he be the guy that they go to? Yeah, sure, you can make that argument. But he wasn't involved until it was garbage time. There's a lot of AFC West matchups starting with Thursday night where are going to be shootouts. I don't know how many of them Kansas City is going to blow people away like they did the Arizona Cardinals last week where they're going to feel comfortable just letting Pacheco waste out the clock in the fourth quarter. It might be a lot more back and forth than that. So from that standpoint, yes, you're starting Clyde Edwards-Alaire, but don't get overly wrapped up in the two-touchdown performance last week. In fact, I would go the other way. If he has a decent game against the Chargers, I would maybe contemplate, can I sell him high and get a more, maybe a low-end RB1 who continues to underperform? Uh, Now that Kamara comes to mind, maybe he does have a rough game against Tampa Bay. Could you get that deal done if Clyde Edwards-Alaire has another good game against the Chargers? Possibly. Things like that I might look out for when it comes to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Our lookout for receivers of of these four matchups that we're talking about. Juju Smith-Schuster, you're going to play him. Look, but it's, I think it's a matter of time before the knee thing just swells up on him because it just seems to be something he's always having to deal with. Until then, though, the question, not that I needed an answer for because I was already pretty confident what the answer was, but it was answered. Juju Smith-Schuster is the wide receiver one until further notice. So you're playing him. Josh Palmer. People are panicking about Josh Palmer like, oh, well, he was supposed to be the guy who was going to replace a Mike Williams or a Keenan Allen if either one of them got hurt and and lead the way. And then they're all freaking out because DeAndre Carter got a touchdown and had a nice stat line. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Palmer played more than double the amount of snaps. He ran more than double the amount of routes run. He had more targets. Relax. Relax. When they go in this game, game planning that Josh Palmer is going to be playing the Keenan Allen role, which make no mistake, he's going to. Mike Williams is going to stay in his role. Palmer is going to play the Keenan Allen role. I think he'll be fine. I think he'll have a big game. He he might he's in my lookout for right now because I have to talk about DeAndre Carter, but don't be surprised if I have him ranked inside my top 24 wide receivers and make him a must-start for you guys as we get closer throughout the week. The Jets receivers, I still favor Elijah Moore. He was still he was the guy who played the most snaps. He was the guy when they went to three tight ends. He was the one receiver out there. It wasn't Corey Davis, which I thought it could be because Corey Davis is a better but uh blocker, but that didn't wind up being the case. So I still have more faith in Elijah Moore. As much, faith as, you, as much faith as you can have in a Jets wide receiver right now. Flacco did a good job of spreading it out. Corey Davis got involved. Garrett Wilson got involved. Even Tyler Conklin got involved. I get it. Elijah Moore is the guy you want to own. He's the guy you want to play. I got to wait and see how this thing plays out before I start buying into the idea that Elijah Moore is in a, a, a three-way even split when it comes to targets moving forward but guys that you have to look out for and still at the end of the day he's nothing more than a wide receiver three flex play for me in the top 36 
talk about the Washington receivers a little bit, but I just want to highlight them a little bit further. So Jahan Dotson, again, like I said, outside the two touchdowns, three catches, 40 yards. It was against Jacksonville. Could be a line for a sneaky game here today. Right now, though, he is nothing more than a pickup and stash and a wait and see. I wouldn't I wouldn't get overly excited just yet. I'm not plugging, certainly not plugging to your lineups as of right now. Curtis Samuel, I need to see it another week. If he comes out against Detroit and leads the team again in targets, then I'll be like, okay, go get him. If, if he's still available on your waiver wire, contemplate playing him the flex. Maybe the slot receiver is just going to be the receiver to owned with the Washington Commanders. That's a, that's a possibility. I got to see it. We haven't seen Curtis Samuel be consistent in his career or consistently stay healthy. I'm not jumping at the chance to get him just yet. I need to see it one more week. I also need to see it another week to determine whether or not we really actually need to worry about Terry McLaurin possibly not being the wide receiver one. DJ Charks to look out for. He played pretty well. They moved him around. He was kind of like interchangeable there with St. Brown quite a bit. A pickup and stash and a wait and see. Jamison Williams will come back at some point this season. So DJ Chark's value for me season long is still a little bit limited as a result to that. And I just don't know how comfortable you're going to play a receiver not named St. Brown on the Detroit Lions, but did enough, look good enough, like the role for him enough that he can be on your radar potentially. And then the Tampa Bay wide receivers. We talked about them with the injuries. Julio, Russell Gage. They're going to be leaned on if Chris Godwin's going to miss Multiple weeks. I think most of them were picked up. They were both on my waiver wire. I haven't checked what the average ownership is now today just yet. But if I had to assume, I would assume that they're both pretty well owned at this point. I do know some leagues were dropping Russell Gage. And I do know that was a thing. That's a mistake. If God was going to miss a lot of time, Jones is going to play that Z receiver on the opposite side of Mike Evans. Russell Gage will eventually operate in the slot once he's back and healthy. You want that receiver on your team for Tampa Bay, for Tom Brady, too. So if Russell Gage kind of got dropped because people were just off on him and he didn't have the good game, keep in mind it's because of the hamstring injury. If he's healthy, he's good to go. Make sure you go out and get him. Jarvis Landry, I do want to talk about him a little bit. I wasn't, I, clearly, I did not give him enough credit from the last year and a half in Cleveland. He looked like a guy who was done. I, apparently he goes to New Orleans, he finds the fountain of youth, or maybe better yet, he just gets the heck away from Baker Mayfield and everything gets better after that. I don't know what the case is. I do need to, kind of like Curtis Samuel, I need to see it another week before I can totally buy in. But if Jarvis Landry is going to be the second receiver from a volume per perspective to Michael Thomas, not Chris Olave, at least earlier in the season, Jarvis Landry is somebody who's going to need to be owned. So let's look what he sees, what he does this week. Going against Tampa Bay. I have my eye on Jarvis Landry potentially. At the tight end position, Tyler Conklin's a lookout for. He's clearly ahead of CJ Usama. That seemed to be that question seemed to be answered. He was actually utilized as such as well. I don't know if he'll be anything more than a deep league tight end two streaming option, but he is kind of a lookout for on my radar. The guy I want to talk about is Logan Thomas. He had the most snaps. He had the most routes run. He had the most targets amongst the tight ends. He wasn't even supposed to play week one. This is a guy that went from he's going to be on the pup to, well, he's going to avoid the pup to he's not going to play week one to, oh, he is going to play week one. Well, he's going to be on a limited snap count. Oh, wait, no, he's a starter. He's playing well ahead. And his playing time should just increase because there wasn't any setbacks on him. So Logan Thomas is somebody I talked about him on Tuesday night. Again, I said, look, if you're looking for a tight end season long, this is the guy. This is the value. He has the potential to be a top 12 tight end if he's back and he's healthy within this offense. 
Go pick up Logan Thomas. I don't necessarily chomping at the bit to play him right away, although you might not have a better option with some of the tight end injuries out there this week. But for season long, if you are streaming tight ends and you're trying to find somebody who could be a potentially a top 12 guy the rest of the way, that is this guy. So get him if you're in that situation. All right, let's hit the be cautious of. Be cautious of. Be cautious of, well, guess what? You're not playing Jared Goff. You're not playing Joe Flacco. And you're not just playing Jacoby Brissett. I know. Hashtag analysis right there. Wide receiver-wise, I do want to talk about Amari Cooper a little bit. So, yes, it was. In, I, I wasn't big on Amari Cooper. I had him as a wide receiver three. But it was a little bit alarming when you're sitting there watching Donovan Peoples-Jones get 11 targets and Amari Cooper get five. A little bit weird there, especially when you're talking about Joey Brissett, who doesn't usually throw it to the deep ball guy. He usually throws it to the guy working underneath. I don't know if this is just a one-game thing. I don't know if Amari Cooper really has, before he hit the age of 30, fallen off a cliff. We'll have to wait and see. He's never had a high ceiling, but until further notice, Amari Cooper actually needs to be on your benches. Don't drop him yet, but he needs to be on your benches. And then Chris Olave. You're not dropping Chris Olave, but again, with the emergence of the Fountain of Youth, Jarvis Landry. Uh, he does need to stay on your benches, and I don't know if it's going to be particularly soon when he comes off, but he still has the high upside. We still don't know how long Michael Thomas is going to last. We still don't know exactly if Jarvis Landry is going to be able to keep this up all season long. A lot of upside there. I'm keeping Chris Olave. He's just not going to crack anywhere near my starting lineup anytime soon. And then I'd be cautious of tight ends. I'm going to get it right off the jump. So first of all, I was right about David Njoku last week and I'm going to continue not play him. He's a tight end in a committee. We have a hard enough time finding tight ends to actually get playing time all themselves and still be good. I'm definitely not playing a guy who's in a committee, clearly with Harrison Bryant, especially in the red zone. And that was one of my concerns about him heading into the season. The other guy I got to talk about is Gerald Everett. And Chris, if you're listening, you know, hopefully you are. If not, maybe we'll talk about this a little bit tomorrow. He was big on Gerald Everett. I, I am not. He had a good game, three catches, 57 yards, and a touchdown. He split snaps down the middle with Trey McKitty. He had three more routes run, and he split targets. He happened to be the one who gets the touchdown. But Trey McKitty, who's like nobody, is not even nearly as talented as a Donald Parham, who could be on his way back within the next few weeks. Jared Everett's not going to last long. He's a tight end two streaming option until that becomes a thing. But right now, I consider him a tight end in a committee, too, and therefore, I'm staying away from him. I'm also not playing the Saints tight ends. I'm also not playing the Bucks tight ends. And yes, go back to the Saints real quick. That includes Taysom Hill. I know it's kind of weird because they're going to use him as that gadget player, and he's like, well, you don't get too many tight ends who actually had the potential to get carries out of the backfield. I get it. Uh, he barely played the game. He had the big run. Awesome. It's fool's gold. We don't chase fool's gold on the MD's fantasy football show. Speaking of... We need to take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got four more matchups for the first half of the Week 2 preview here on the Look Ahead Wednesday. So everybody stay tuned, and we'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt-to-couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. 
True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find a perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. Welcome back into the show. Can't believe we're talking about week two already. I'm your host, Dan Mater. We're on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're live on YouTube. We're live on BillyUp.tv. We're available on demand when you download the Fox D Network app, and that's the TV devices like Roku, LG, Samsung, etc. Make sure you download us, and you can stay up to date with the show on the go on your favorite podcast app. Give us a five-star review because that, I mean, I can't tell you how much that greatly helps out the show, guys. Please do it. You guys have been super awesome. MD Nation's been growing and it's been awesome and I'm loving every minute of it. I'll tell you what also I'm loving is previewing these games. So we got four more games coming up in this segment's matchup. And of course, we got the mailbag segment here at the end. If you want to ask questions during the show, feel free to do so. We will try to get to them as we move along. But we're talking about the Carolina Panthers versus the New York Giants, the Patriots against the Steelers, the Colts against the Jaguars, and the Miami Dolphins against the Baltimore Ravens in this segment. Let's go ahead and hit that obvious starter. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Got one obvious starter at the quarterback position out of this group, and that would be Lamar Jackson. He will always be a top five quarterback, no matter who he's playing. I know the Miami Dolphins are not the greatest matchup on paper. Don't care. I know he didn't light up the Jets completely. Don't care. Although he did hit my prop bet that I gave you guys on Friday over 1.5 passing touchdowns. So I felt pretty good about that. That Ravens team, the offense just didn't look like it was quite in sync just yet. And if that's what their offense can look like when it's not quite in sync, scary of what it's going to be when it's actually moving forward. A big part of that will probably be getting Dobbins back and and Gus Edwards when he comes out the pup. So long-term, I think still sky's the limit for Lamar Jackson. He's a top five quarterback. The obvious stars at running back. Obviously of this group, you're starting Jonathan Taylor. Obviously of this group, you're starting Saquon Barkley. And you're still obviously starting Christian McCaffrey. I do want to highlight him a little bit of these three running backs. Of course, he's not the one who went ballistic. But he looked pretty good. He was making guys miss. Keep in mind, if you didn't watch that game, Carolina barely had the ball, especially in the entire first half. And you look at the, and it came through in the carry description. I think Chris McCaffrey had three carries in the first half, and he had eight in the second half. And that just came from the Panthers actually got the ball a little bit more. Part of that gets mixed into the DJ Moore analysis, which we'll get to a little bit later too. Nothing to be concerned about Chris McCaffrey. It wasn't because they 
reduced his role because they did it. He played pretty much all the snaps and had the overwhelming majority of the work. It's not because he's lost a step or looked like he wasn't as elusive as he was in years past. No, he looked every bit fine. It's all because of situation and game flow of that particular game. Better days are ahead, probably starting this week against the New York Giants, which is a matchup I am salivating at the mouth for. My obvious starters at the wide receiver position, Tyreek Hill. I did want to talk about him. So I said coming into this, you know, I was a little bit worried about the Dolphins receivers. Jalen Waddell, who I want to save because I have a little bit of a rant on him for the later on part of the show. And then Tyreek Hill, just seeing how this new offense was going to work and was too good enough to get these guys the ball like you needed them to. I love the way they feature Tyreek Hill. So one of the big arguments coming into the game is like, oh, Bill Belichick known for taking away a team's number one wide receiver. He's been successful against Tyreek Hill in the past. when He's on the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was like, well, I'm actually not as concerned because if Mike McDaniel uses Tyreek Hill like they did Debo Samuel, and I don't mean like in the backfield, I mean like the way they line up Debo Samuel when he's out there being a receiver to get him mismatches, he'll be fine. That's exactly what Mike Daniel did. So Tyreek Hill will be fine because he's going to get lined up all over, kind of like you see to a lesser degree, the Cooper Cup version, the Justin Jefferson version, the way they kind of get lined up and have route combinations to just get them matchups somehow inexplicably on linebackers and safeties. Mike McDaniel did the same thing with Tyreek Hill in that matchup. So that's what I like to see, and that's why he's going to have a safe floor no matter what. Not that you weren't going to start him, but he's an obvious starter for me, and I just wanted to highlight that I like the way they utilized him. And, of course, Michael Pittman. Lit up Houston? Oh, guess what? Now I guess to light up Jacksonville this week. No questions asked there. Mark Andrews, I know it was a rough week. There's no reason to move off of Mark Andrews. Hopefully nobody's dumb enough to do that. He's awesome. Please start him. Let's hit out. Let's go ahead and hit that uh, lock him in. Lock him in. It's a lock. So again, out of this group, I don't have any lock him in quarterbacks. Really, really skimpy on the quarterbacks here on the look ahead Wednesday. I do have a running back, Najee Harris. He's not my obvious starter. He is in my lock him in as long as he is healthy. And the reason he doesn't hit that elite area for me is, is really for a couple of reasons. Yes, the injury is a little bit concerning, but it's not so much about that. This offensive line for the Steelers is not any better. 2.6 yards against what at best is a decent Cincinnati Bengals defense. This offensive line looks like it's picking up right where it left off. Oh, and all that talk about, you know, it can't be any worse than Ben Roethlisberger. Eh. Mr. Trubisky might not be worse, but it's the same. So I don't know if it's going to be any different there with the quarterback situation. Maybe when they eventually start Kenny Pickett, which I, after, I know they won this game, but after watching Mr. Trubisky, I don't know how Mike Tomlin can look at himself in the mirror and say, oh yeah, Trubisky's still the starter for the rest of the season. We'll see exactly what happens there. I still don't have big hopes for Kenny Pickett, so let's not get that twisted. But they need some kind of hope, some kind of guy who can get the ball down the field a little bit more just to thin out the defense a little bit because, man, the Bengals had no fear, had no fear of the Steelers going over the top. We'll see exactly what happens there. But I'm also nervous about the injuries to go along with the offensive line problems and the matchups. Look at Najee Harris's schedule the rest of the season. It's a lot of good to very good run defenses on top of all of it. If Harris has a few big games, he could be a sell high for me at some point this season. We have to see how this plays out. I'm not saying do it right now, but he's on my radar. So just keep that in mind when it comes to Najee Harris. DJ Moore, lock him in. I know it's disappointing last week. Robbie Anderson got all the hoopla. He had the big pass. 
still, if that's going to be Robbie Anderson's best game or one of his best games, and it's, it's, it's likely going to be that, the best he could do was tie DJ Moore in targets. DJ Moore, who's getting matched up on guys like Denzel Ward and a good Cleveland Brown secondary in general, paying all their attention to him. If Robbie Anderson comes out this game and has the same amount of targets or whatever, then I'll maybe be a little bit more concerned about, you know, DJ Moore and our ranking of him as a wide receiver too, based on volume. And even though I'm not a big Baker fan, what is a improved that meant at quarterback and probably the best quarterback DJ Moore, unfortunately has had in his career. I'm not concerned yet. He's still a top 20 receiver for me. I love the matchup here against the giants. This is where we'll get to see if he doesn't light up the giants or if he doesn't look like he's far and above and beyond again against Robbie Anderson against the giants, then we'll have to have a different conversation heading into week three. But for right now, I'm not concerned about DJ Moore. You better lock him in and lock in Christian Kirk. He was the guy. He was moved around all around the formation. He's clearly the favorite go-to guy of Trevor Lawrence. And while I think there's definitely some questions about his limited ability as a receiver, like I don't think he's a true alpha dog. If he's going to get that kind of volume, there's no reason to think he can't put up Darnell Mooney numbers from last season in which case he should be in your lineup every single week and we'll have a safe floor, if nothing else, because the Jaguars, if they, if they the one thing they showed you against the commanders in that game is that they're going to trail against anybody who's any good. And that has not changed, even with the hiring of Doug Peterson. And of course, lock them in Pat Freermuth. Pat Freermuth was one of the lone bright spots of the Pittsburgh's offense last week. Trubisky has eyes for him. That's all the confirmation I needed to know. Freermuth is going to be a top 10 tight end again this season. Let's go ahead and hit the lookout for. Lookout for. I got to look out for Matt Ryan in, in a positive way. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be hovering around, definitely inside my top 18, might even be inside my top 16. And we're talking about him in a streaming opportunity. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? Like, and if they're going to play down to their competition and have to come back from behind, like they did against Houston inexplicably, by the way, Carson Wentz hmm, wasn't wasn't seemingly the problem, was he? Indianapolis. I'm just going to throw that out there real quick. But yeah, so Matt Ryan might have a safe floor here in some of these really easy matchups on paper with the Colts not really being able to put their opponents away. Like, think about it this way: Jonathan Taylor had 31 carries. 160-something yards, a touchdown, and Matt Ryan still had a good fantasy day because they still needed him to throw the ball, and they only put up 20 points. So I guess as long as Michael Pittman's there, Matt Ryan's going to have a little bit of a floor and maybe more of a floor than I was giving him credit for heading into the season, at least in matchups like against Houston and Jacksonville. We'll see when they play better defenses. Talking about Jacksonville, the running backs. So everyone's trying to figure out, okay, well, what's Travis Etienne's value now? What do we do about James Robinson? They're both RB3s for me. They played almost the same amount of snaps. The roles are going to be very different. Travis Etienne is going to be the pass-catching guy who's going to get some carries. James Robinson is going to be the goal-line guy, get most of the carries with the occasional pass attempts here and there. That's what they're going to do. I think they're both good enough on an offense that's going to have a high enough volume that they can be flex plays for you. We'll see what happens later on this season. Maybe one gets hurt. The other one will have tremendous value as a result. But for now, you can consider both of them flex plays if you need to. And that kind of goes for the Patriots running backs, too. I do want to highlight a little bit. So Bill Belichick, 
I, I hate you from as a fantasy football person because you're just you're just a nightmare. All this talk about Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Oh, they're going to rotate on series. They're going to be workhorses on their series. Oh, Ty Montgomery is not going to be a thing. <laughs> Ty Montgomery was James White. Now he gets hurt. He's on IR now. So now maybe the reports that we heard the last two weeks of training camp, maybe now they'll be true. Where now you have no choice because there's no Brandon Bolden to throw out there. Thank God. Raiders are dealing with that problem. Now you have no choice but to just play Harris and Stevenson in a committee and have them play on a series-by-series basis and let them just be the three-down backs on those series. Or at worst, I think Stevenson maybe is more the pass-catching guy. But it was looking brutal for for me because I had Stevenson as number one sleeper, and he played the least amount of snaps out of the three of them. So we'll see exactly what's going to happen here. But I think better days are ahead now for the Patriots running backs because Belichick can't screw us over anymore with Ty Montgomery out of the way. Chase Edmonds, I know he didn't have a big game, but I like the usage that he had out of it. I do like the offensive system fit that he's in. I don't love the match against Baltimore, but he's a flex play consideration for me. And then J.K. Dobbins. So Brian Scott talked about Dobbins. He still seems to think he's going to be a week three, week four away. This is one part I usually trust Brian, and I, not that I still don't trust him, but practicing a full today, having to watch Kenyon Drake out there last week, if he can go, he might go this week. So I, I'm leaving the door open a little bit more for him. If he does play, he's a flex play consideration, nothing more. I'd be shocked if he got more than 12 touches in his first game back. Be, I would be absolutely shocked. Is that enough on the Ravens offense to be a flex consideration? Sure. But that's about it. And I would still look for other options, even if he does play this week. But I'm not ruling it out after he practiced in full on a Wednesday. Let's stick, let's stick with the Ravens. Let's talk about Rashad Bateman. So there was some concern, it seems like, Rashad Bateman, you know, we wanted him to be a target monster. And that's what a lot of his fantasy value, at least for me at least, and for a lot of other people, was projected off of and why we're so high. And it didn't really fall that way, except in some ways it did. He dominated routes run. He dominated snaps. Devin Duvernay is not going to get two touchdowns every single week. So I'm not overly concerned about this. And Bateman still saved you with the bomb touchdown. So he showed you in a game in which the Ravens offense was not totally clicking. Devin Duvernay probably had the most touchdowns he's ever going to have again in his career in one game. He was still able to come through for you in a fantasy way. I'm not worried about Rashad Bateman moving forward. I'm still probably going to have in my lineups, but he isn't to look out for. Same thing goes with Deontay Johnson. If this last game showed you anything, it's that Chase Claypool, George Pickens are afterthoughts. Deontay Johnson's the guy. And then I don't even know how you're playing another Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver. Oops, gave away the farm on the be cautious segment, but we're not playing them. Jalen Waddle. So this is where I wanted to take a little bit of time and go on a little bit of a rant. I'll be brief because I've been kind of, I don't want to be known as the guy who's bashing Jalen Waddle because I love the player and I love the talent. So I don't want to get that twisted in my analysis. And I know he came through with the big touchdown. But Waddle had five targets compared to Tyreek Hill's 12. He had four catches for 69 yards. It's good. It's not great. He busted the 142-yard touchdown on a slant. It wasn't a bomb out of two attack of Lavoa. He made the play. It looked like, to me, a Brandon Ayuk type of usage alongside of Debo Samuel, which is a problem and what I was concerned about with pre-draft process. Okay, I know he gets the touchdown, but what happens when he doesn't break that slant? What happens when he doesn't make two guys miss and do it on his own? Because Tua doesn't have the arm to hit him on consistent bombs. 
Now, Waddle has the ability where he's going to do this, and he's going to be a boomer bust, big play dependent wide receiver three for me for most of the year. That's where I had him ranked at. Him having a good game in this one does not move me off the needle, and it shouldn't move you. And in fact, Waddle is going to be another guy that I'm looking to sell high on if I get the opportunity to do so, because it's going to be Hill, and then Waddle will have his moments maybe once every four games. And that's what I was concerned about in the pre-draft process, and his usage confirmed that for me, despite the big 42-yard touchdown. You take that away, you got three catches for 27 yards. Not really much to ride home about. Robbie Anderson, again, I got to see it out of Robbie Anderson if he's going to be utilized as much as DJ Moore and Baker's going to look for him downfield. Then I'll talk about Robbie Anderson and more of a big light. For right now, I wouldn't say he's anything more than a stash play. I still don't know if I'm even bothering to pick him up. He made my waiver wire report just because I had to mention his name, but I still want to wait and see on Robbie Anderson. All right, let's hit that be cautious of. Be cautious of. You're not playing Baker Mayfield. You're not playing Daniel Jones. You're not playing Mac Jones. And you sure as hell aren't playing Mitchell Trubisky. You're not going to play Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tagovailoa, but I want to talk about those two a little bit. So Trevor Lawrence, I do think at some point this season is going to be a streaming option. No, it was not great against commanders, but what I did like 42 pass attempts in a game that was 20 to 22. So it wasn't really a shootout type of game. Jacksonville wasn't tremendously coming from behind for the majority of the game. They were were within striking distance for the majority of that game. And he still threw the ball 42 times. The volume alone will give him some fantasy football value. We'll see how he develops. And he's got better weapons than he did last season. So he's somebody I have my eye on for the future. But for right now, he's just a QB too. You're leaving him on your bench. And then Tua. So Miami had about as clean of a game as they're going to have or want to have how that game went against the Patriots. That's how Mike McDaniel is going to want to win games. That's how he's going to want to play his offense. I don't think the Patriots kind of hindered him at all from what they wanted to do. Even with Tyree kill having the big game Waddle having the big play and overall that offense looking good Tua still finishes the QB 22. There's just not a ceiling on Tua. He's just not good enough. What he is is another version, a left-handed version, if you will, of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's what Mike McDaniel wants him to be. That's what he is, which is good enough to get guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle involved, good enough for Chase Edmonds to get involved, but not good enough to actually be a startable quarterback for fantasy football purposes. And that's just what it is. Patriots, yes, they have a good defense. I don't want to make it out like they played a crap team with this performance, but they don't have a great defense. I think we got to see the kind of the game strip we're going to see for most of the year. And that is Tua is a low-end QB2 who's just good enough to get the other guys the ball. Who are we not starting at running back? Nobody. There's actually nobody in this group that I'm just not starting at running back, surprisingly speaking. Who are we not starting at wide receivers? Well, I talked about the Steelers wide receivers already. The Patriot receivers, I don't even know how many weeks I'm going to put them in this segment because I feel like it's going to go without saying pretty soon. And then the giant wide receivers somebody's going to emerge in New York. Somebody's going to. I do not know who that is. It should be Kadarius Tony, but apparently here's the doghouse, 10 feet of crap, and then we have Kadarius Tony. I don't know what he did to piss off the coaching staff, but clearly he's not on anybody's good side. I think Sterling Shepard, I brought him up in the waiver wire report as a guy to be aware of because they love Sterling Shepard. 
And he looked healthy enough to me in that game. If he winds up taking over the slot because Wondell Robinson's out with the knee issue and Darius Tony's in the doghouse, Sterling Shepard might become the guy. He might immediately become a wide receiver three within that offense. It's possible. It ain't going to be Kenny Galladay. I know that much. I'm not buying in the Richie James. So I think it's either going to be Shepard or it's going to be Kadarius Tony. It just depends on what the coaching staff's willing to do. Keep your eye on it. For this week, though, you're not starting anybody. And then for tight ends, you're not starting Patriot tight ends. You're not starting Mike Gusecki. He's not a blocker, and yet he was getting asked to block. Durham Smith played more than he did. He's not going to be involved in this offense. There's not enough to go around. Mike Gusecki, if you had him on your team, drop him. There's better tight ends to go with. That does it for our preview for the first half of the Look Ahead Wednesday. Did have a quick question in here, so let's get to that real quick. Victor, he asked, Kirk or C.D. Lamb this week? It's Christian Kirk, and uh, frankly, it's not close. Christian Kirk has way more of a floor, actually, unfortunately, for C.D. Lamb, because I actually own him in a lot of leagues, because I had him as my number six wide receiver, and I'm feeling the pain with you guys. But what I want to do is I want to bring our intern back on so she can actually help us out with the mailbag segment. here all right danielle what kind of questions do we have today so our first question is from millie and millie asked juju or miles sanders in the flex this week that's interesting it is interesting miles sanders once again was a very efficient player last week ran well and finally got in the end zone like it's like jacoby myers of touchdowns it's, it's absolutely insane but then you have juju tomorrow night in a what should be a shootout game and second to Travis Kelsey when it comes to targets. The one thing that worried me is that they made sure they got Gainwell the ball, made sure they got Boston Scott the ball. They all scored touchdowns. I think I'm going to go with Juju with a little more upside this week. It's close, but I think I'm going to give Juju the juice for week two. I agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. The second mailbag question is from Ken, and Ken asks Aaron Rodgers or Carson Wentz. It's Carson Wentz. I know. I know Rodgers is playing against Chicago. And look, Ken, if you're watching this, and I'll, I'll get to you on social media because I always make sure I answer all the guys on social media too at Billy MDFF Show, which is where you can submit your questions. By the way, for the mailbag segment. It's Chicago. If Lazard plays, and he did practice today, so that's the good news. If Lazard plays, I might swing back to Rodgers. I think he'll be looking for a game in which he can come bounce back from Minnesota. It will be Sunday night, and it's Chicago, who he just loves to light up. But only if Lazard plays. If Lazard doesn't play, we saw on Sunday, you can't trust any of these wide receivers. And I know Aaron Rodgers is great, but he can't be that great if there's nobody to throw the ball to. So if Lazard does not play, it's easy Carson Wentz for me. And it's still close, even Lazard does play. But maybe I would stick with Rodgers because I would imagine you're probably picking Carson Wentz up off the waiver wire. I wouldn't waste a spot or drop a player for him if you can play Rodgers. The third mailbag question and the last mailbag question is from Martin. And he asks, full point PPR, which one sits? Dylan, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or Chase Edmonds? So which one says this is pretty tough. It's going to be Chase Edmonds for me this week. You have to play Clyde's layer after the two touchdown performance and in this game against the Chargers. And you have to play Dylan, who was the lead back last week against Aaron Jones. Now, 
I think that's going to go back and forth. Like a lot of people are, are panicking on Aaron Jones. I, I wouldn't. And AJ Dillon, his involvement in the passing game, we saw it at times last year, but it played out where he got less and less involved. I don't see a guy like AJ Dillon being consistently more targeted than Aaron Jones. I just don't see that happening. However, I do love the match against Chicago and if Green Bay wins or is going to be leading in that game, which I expect they would, especially coming in the fourth quarter, it could be A.J. Dillon time. So Dillon's definitely going to play for me. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is definitely going to play for me. Emmons is going to sit, but you have three good options you're going to be choosing from for the rest of the year. What do you think, Danielle? I agree. And yeah, like you said, you're going to be going back and forth. It really depends on who you, each team is facing and who's facing the worst team possible. Because if somebody is playing the Giants or the Jets one week, I would definitely take that player over someone who's going to be playing the Bills or the Bucks. Absolutely. In this scenario, you can play matchups. So that's, that's the beauty of it. When you have depth, that is going to do it for the show. We'll be back tomorrow night. We got the clairvoyant Thursday, the second half fantasy football week two preview. And don't forget on Friday, we're going to have the Cashing Friday DFS sports betting of the week. I will tell you guys now, my sister's getting married this weekend. I'm not going to be around for the Friday show. Chris, I don't know who it is he got. I think it's Adam LaRue from Bill Fantasy. I think he's going to do the show with him. And Chaz Filardi will be back. It's also going to screw up my schedule a little bit for next week. So Monday, Tuesday shows will be fine on time. I might have to do Wednesday show a little bit later than what I normally would. I'll make sure I get back to you guys on that. But make sure you follow us on social media. Make sure you download your favorite pod- podcast app. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.